What does the future of podcast monetization look like? And in particular, what does the future look like for the independent creator? It's something that a lot of podcasters concern themselves with, especially in the world of minimum revenue guarantees and minimum download thresholds for advertisements and big words being thrown around like programmatic advertising. The good news is, as an indie, maybe we don't need to worry about any of that so much. That is what we're going to dive into today here on the Podcast Accelerator. I'm your host, Mark Asquith, and I'm joined by a great friend and a wonderful industry thinker and an actual industry doer, of which I believe there should be more. But we'll talk about that on another session. We are going to talk all things value for value. We're going to talk all things monetization. We're going to talk all things the future for the indie creator. And we're going to talk about the brand new platform called Pod fans, welcome to the show, Mr. Sam Sethi. How are you, my friend? Wow, I, I need to have one of you just leading me, go in front of me in rooms and just introduce <laughs> me. That would be amazing. I could do that. Master. We could do like a David Brent thing. We'll get a, uh, a nice boom box on my shoulder. We'll play a little bit of Tina Turner. You're the best. We'll just, any room you need, my oh, friend, I'm there. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. That's it. We're done. Right. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. 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 I, 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 I don't like doing this because... I know that everyone really should know you like I know you because I know the, the fantastic work that you do in the industry. But I want to get to some of the cool stuff that you're up to with, with the product that you've got and, and some of the thinking that you do, which I think is, is vital. But I'm going to do the thing that everyone else does at the end. I'm going to say, Sam, tell us what you do. And importantly, give us your bloody website, mate. <laughs> okay, what I do, um, I co-host Pod News Weekly with James Cridland. Um, and we've been doing that for about three years. And so that's great fun. It allows me to interview cool people and, and to talk with James about what's going on in the industry on a weekly basis. And it's so, so hectic every week. Beginning of the week, I think, oh God, what are we going to talk about this week? And by the end of the week, it's like, Jesus, cut that. We haven't got enough time. And invariably, the Pod News Weekly, we tried to make it a half hour podcast at the beginning. It's invariably 90 minutes on average. It's ridiculously long. So apologies to everyone about that. Um, and then on the side, just to keep myself busy, um, I've got a new podcasting platform called podfans.fm. I love it. I want to dig into that in, in, in just a second. And before we do that, though, I do, I want to set the scene. I think that Pod News Weekly <laughs> 30 minute aspiration is actually a really good place to start because that, that's been the situation in podcasting. Well, I mean, I want to say at least for the last five or six years, it was, it felt a little different before that. It, there was a lot going on, but it didn't, it wasn't, I don't want to say mainstream, but it wasn't as close to mainstream as it is now, which then incurred the fact that, that, you know, there wasn't as much money coming through it because of that. There was much less interest. And then there was this startup boom. There was this money boom. There was this boom of acquisitions and everything just seemed to go crazy. 2017, 2018-ish and, 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 and things started to change. So as someone that's really at the forefront of, of the news and, and the response to the news every single week, it's easy for me to sit here and say things have changed, things are slowing down, and for other people to commentate and say things are slowing down. But like, is, is that true? It doesn't feel like what you're saying matches with some of the narrative that we see online. It seems as busy as ever. I think what we're seeing is that uh, people are still actively involved in podcasting. Um, yeah, there is a slowdown. I mean, we all know that COVID resulted in people sat at home, bit bored, got a mic out, started a podcast, Anchor gave it away for free. We got a 
influx of podcasts that, you know, let's be honest, some were not very good and some were okay, but, um, but it wasn't professionalizing it. Now, what we've seen post COVID, of course, is a lot of that's gone away. People have gone back to work and, and that's fine. We've seen also, uh, companies now, the stock markets are beginning to say to companies like Acast and others, look, <clears throat> oi, you, you've got some money. Now we want to see some profit. Yeah. Great that you are still revenue generating, but Spotify, Acast, Podimo, all these others, let's see the money. And so there's been some downsizing of people and cuts. Um, I think the exclusives that were out there, it was a good idea to start off with. Let's get, you know, big high profile names, see if we can generate some numbers around it in terms of people. And that will lead to more revenue and profitability. Hopefully didn't quite work. But I think, again, looking at global, there have been some amazing alternatives where there's actually been a very clever strategy. So the news agent's been brilliant. I mean, you, the numbers you guys are hitting are uh, knocking it out of the park. But also, you know, look at um, uh, the rest is, you know, Gullhanger Productions uh, uh, podcast that, you know, they've got the rest is politics, the rest is football, and they're doing really well with all of their uh, titles. And I think Crowd Network. So there's a lot of good, solid uh, companies who are producing good, solid podcasts that are generating real income and real revenue. Now, what does that mean going down the long tail? Yeah, it's still hard work. I mean, you know, most people are, you know, if they're getting above a thousand listeners, they're still in the top quartile, right? Um, so podcasting is not quite yet, you know, the tens of thousands for everybody, but it is I think an industry that's gone, I liken it to, do you remember web 1.0 when everyone had crazy valuations and there was a pop and everyone went, oh, well, that's the internet over and done with Then, Oh, let's all go home. And and then suddenly web two came and, and it stabilized and, and real business models occurred and real revenue occurred. And we are where we are today. And I think that's exactly what podcasting is. It's, it's seen its early days. It's seen its massive pop rise with crazy money coming into the industry. And now there's been a downturn and then slowly, I think 23, 24, the end of 23, early 24, we're beginning to see proper businesses and proper podcasting models, um, different revenue models, but proper models. And so, yeah, I think we're a good industry. It's okay. Yeah, I hear that. And I, I, I love the the comparison to Web 1 and Web 2.0. And we're going to talk talk about Web 3.0 and, and, and I'm just... <laughs> I'm always amazed how it's taken so many hosting companies in podcasting to get rid of their web 2.0 interfaces. And some of them still got them. You know, we'll, we all like stuff that looks nostalgic, but time for an upgrade people. Let's just move ahead with that one. And it's, I think that's representative of where the industry was though. There was no real need to shift and, you know, all sort of flippancy aside with that one. It was a genuine, that was a genuine issue. There was no honest reason to shift because you know, you know, you think about the creator economy and you think about the way that that's always worked and that's always generated revenue. And suddenly you get something and, and I, I don't want to be the guy that invokes cereal, but I've got to do it. You know, you get something like cereal that puts podcasting on the map for the consumerism in, in, in a much bigger way. And, you know, the boom can be directly attributed to that kind of feeling where everyone started to look at podcasting as a media, as an industry. And I, I, I completely agree with you that now that we've come out the end of what appears to be that talent boom, which, you know, a lot of people say that was a silly move. You know, let's why, why acquire Joe Rogan's the best example, if you're not going to be profitable. I, I do think there was a lot of strategy in that around just acquiring users. And I don't think there was necessarily a need for profit. I think it was a lost leader in many ways. Um, 
and it's I think to a lot of people in the industry it hurt their feelings a little bit that podcasting was like the lost leader for a platform. Um, and again, I understand that because we're we're close to the industry. But what interests me about the way that you think and the way that you do things, and and, and I think we think pretty similarly on on a lot of these issues, is that podcasting is sort of bundled in now. Everything everything that is on demand audio is sort of called podcasting now, and it's not you know. If I go and watch a Marvel movie, whether that's on Disney or whether that's in a, in a movie theater, that's not bundled together with a home video or something necessarily on YouTube. And I feel like podcasting has got that yet to come where, you know, crowd, global, wondering, whoever's producing top tier multifaceted IP that happens to be delivered via a podcast to start with, eventually starts to sort of not become podcasts because we feel that the creator economy is where podcasting is. And we saw that last week or it was last week, wasn't it? With the, the new Batman original mm-hmm. from Spotify that just doesn't have the word. It's, a, it's an audio original, audio drama, whatever the wording was. It's just yeah. not got the word podcast. So do, do you think there's a challenge there? And we'll, I want to bring this back to the, the independence in a bit, because I think this is where pod fans work so well. But do you think that is... Is that pie in the sky thinking or is is there something in that logic around why are we bundling everything now under podcasts? Well, uh, it's become the hoover of uh, of the words, right? So when you you say, I'm going to go and hoover the lounge, you're not talking about getting the brand hoover. It could be Dyson, right? It's the generic word. Um, Google, we don't say search. We we say we're just going to Google it, right? I mean, so I think podcasting has taken that generic mantle of anything that's audio video that i can consume digitally online and the pragmatist and i'll put myself in that camp you know would say well it's not really because it hasn't got rss but look 99 percent of people who are what we call the normies are not bothered whether it has rss attached to it right they, they open up spotify they open up youtube they consume it and to them it's a podcast so therefore it is and we just have to get over ourselves. I think where where we will evolve possibly is new words will come out. Maybe, as you said, we, we talk about films, then we talk about DVDs, and we talk about on demand, and we talk about streaming in, in the video home world, you know, Netflix. Um, but equally, I just say I'm going to watch a film on Netflix, and it doesn't really have to have that connotation of a cinema attached. So I think... Language is loose and flexible, and I don't think we should get too hung up on it. But I think, um, as podcasters go, yeah, I mean, I think it. I, I'm, I, I was against YouTube. I was against Audible in many ways. You know, calling them podcasts. I'm, I've sort of flipped. I've gone like, you know what? Let it be. Because if we get a secondary glow from the word podcast being picked up by some eighteen-year-old or twenty-five-year-old who's just getting into it. And then they go, oh, what other podcasts can I use or listen to or watch? I'm, I'm happy. They, they, will, they will eventually get their education curve to where, where we want them to be, but they have to start somewhere. Yeah, I, I felt that way about Anchor back in the day. You know, you get a lot of the incumbents having a real good cry about Anchor. You know, well, Anchor's coming along and it's free. And if you're free, you know, if it's free, then you're the product, which is ironic given, you know, that many of the hosting platforms have freemium, which is wild. And I sort of treated that. That's how I treated anchor as a, in my mind was it's just a freemium product that, that doesn't have a premium tier and guess who's the premium tier, you know, here we are at captivate. And my logic was always the same that if, if someone, I would rather someone start a podcast, 
using Anchor and it was free and then realized, oh, do you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm, I enjoy this. Now it's time for something different. And Captivate was an option for them. It, you know, not even saying that we were the only one. I would, I would just rather we were in that mix rather than them just say, oh, no, I've, I've got to pay money for this thing that I might not enjoy doing. And mm. yeah, it's, it's a, I, I, I feel exactly the same way about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that the evolution and the, the halo that we all feel with regards to the word podcasting taking on various different meanings, I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that. I think that's okay. And, and there's merit to, there's merit to opening that market because then to bring it back to the revenue stuff, which I really want to dig into, you can't, you can't bring more money in if you are not making more people aware of what podcasting is. And if this is the way that it really goes mainstream, then we can't, I don't think we can be that sad about it. Um, so let's, let's switch up to the creators then. Mm. So let's talk about pod fans. Um, you know, even, even now, a lot of people still think that monetizing a podcast as an indie with, you know, a hundred downloads, a hundred listeners is, is super tough. You know, they think it's, it's difficult to get sponsorships regardless of whether they'll go direct and, and, and they've got a super niche audience or not. And many people are put off by that. There are other ways. All right. So we know about that. You've been a big pioneer of value for value. Um, and, and Podfans is there, this new product that you're launching this week um, in, in into the public domain properly is right at the bleeding edge of that. So can you spend a second or two just educating the audience on, okay, what is what is this whole value for value thing? What is Podfans? How does it work? And actually, why should we be interested in this? Yeah, I, before I do, sorry, Mark. Before I do, uh, let me take a, a, a quick step back because it'll explain why value for value is important. So, um, when I was at Netscape and I was the product manager, we created the browser. HTTP was the way that people learned about the language. And I remember going out and saying to people, Oh, by the way, Mark, it's called a browser. It's called a URL. It has starts with HTTP and people were going, nah, never catch on. I don't understand what you're talking about. First of all. And secondly, it'll never catch on. It did, as we all know. So new vocabulary is always hard to get into the lexicon of people's minds. The second part of that was Mark Andreessen, my boss, never created a micropayment system. So in the absence of it, we got hearts, likes, thumbs up as sentiment analysis. So people wanting to tell the creator that they like what they've done, that was all they could give them. There was no form of payment. So then the creators went, well, I need money. I can't keep doing this for free. So that they ended up creating advertising around the content. And that's where we got to today. Now, fast forward, and uh, we have something called Bitcoin. Now, most people roll their eyes the minute you say Bitcoin. And if I say it's a digital wallet and it's called a micropayment and they're called Satoshis. Again, these are all new words. People look at you going, that'll never catch on. It's all Swahili. I don't know what you're talking about, Sam. Well, as I said, people didn't understand what HTTP was either. So there are about 50 million people using digital wallets today. So it's not, you know, small chump change. There are a good number of people out there and it's slowly catching on. We're seeing the numbers, you know, through various wallets increasing. So what is a micropayment? What is value for value? So a micropayment is 100 millionth of a Bitcoin. It has to be that small. And, and why do you need it at all when you've got PayPal and Stripe and Visa and MasterCard and Apple Pay? Well, because all of those take payment gateway fees. And because they take those fees, if I just wanted to give you, Mark, 50p or a pound for this show, I couldn't do it because actually most of that money would go to the payment gateway provider, even if they 
accepted that payment because most won't even accept those small payments. So this micropayment model came about, uh, and that's the first part of it. Now, value for value is just a simple new economic model. It doesn't it have to include micropayments and Bitcoin. Value for value is simply you mark set a value for the content you're creating and me as the listener can agree with the value you set or disagree. And if I agree, I just pay it. And if I disagree, I can make it higher. I can say, Mark, you stupid boy. This is the best show ever. I'm doubling or tripling the amount I want to pay you. Or I'm sorry, Mark, I'm a newbie. I haven't got quite into your show, so I don't want to pay you. I'm going to pay you nothing now. I'm going to listen for free. But when I become a fan, I will trip over into paying you. So value for value is a very simple model. We we have it in real world. You know, if somebody walks into a shop, they see a sale ticket price. That's the offer price. They can legally go to the counter and offer a different price, but we're just too British and we don't do it. But bartering is that way. And so value for value is a very simple real-time model. Now, what's nice about it with podcasting is because you get a digital wallet and you get these micro payments in them, think of them as tokens, then you know, it's a direct payment between you, the listener, and the creator. There is no third party. There's no middleman. There is no, I'm going to do, you know, go up here and I'm going to hold your money until I'm comfortable. There's no, none of that. So direct payments, which is the root of what Web 1.0 was, you know, if you remember LimeWire, Napster, Skype, it was a peer-to-peer system. It was Web 2 that made it client-server again. And Yes, you mentioned it earlier, Mark, so I'll say it again. Web3 is very much about decentralization and peer-to-peer monetization. And so we're going back to the roots of the web, and value for value is a new economic model that really will benefit podcasters because, and sorry, Mark, this is the last part. So the average CPM rate for an advert is about $25. If you're a creator with less than a couple hundred, you know, hundred users, you're not going to get that $25 CPM rate. You're just not. So what can you do? You can go and get a sponsor if you're lucky. Maybe you might get a few of your mates listening. Great. And who might want to pay you buy your coffee or whatever it may be. But again, um, Kevin Kelly's seminal blog post was um, a thousand true fans. And all he said was, look, stop chasing millions of people. None of us are Joe Rogan. So if you've got a couple of hundred people willing to pay you 50p an episode, a pound an episode, that covers your hosting costs and gives you a little bit of money. Now scale that up to the likes of a news agent at Global with 10 million users. And, you know, then the revenue numbers outweigh anything you'll get through advertising. But we're just in the early days. And, and so when this crosses over, and it will, then people will probably not want to be interrupted by advertising and they will willingly pay to listen to content that they're a fan of. We're starting to see that shift as well. We're starting to see the trend of people you know, saying that podcasts have too many adverts because that is the only way when you have, when you have a large audience and the only, the only extra thing that you can do outside of listener support, so through subscriptions, memberships, or whether it's you know, taking tips as you alluded to earlier, the only way is to simply insert one more ad slot. That, you know, and then again and again and again and again. So you, you do... You do start to see now that people are starting to just say, hmm, this is becoming a bit of an issue. And then, you know, conversely, what you then get is the model that you, you hear throughout, you know, everywhere. Every major production company is doing this where, listen, ad free if you give us money per month. And what I, what I like about the way this works, and I, I, I'm always a, 
I'm massively into new tech. I'm, I'm, I'm always looking and playing and tinkering right in the earliest stages of new tech. And then as someone that runs a hosting company, I'm always thinking, actually, when do you, when do you bring this to the masses? And when, when are the people that aren't into tech going to be ready for this? And I agree, you know, I think eventually people will, will get on board with this thinking. Um, and because what, what I see as, as a major issue that this begins to solve is that if I am an indie creator, let's assume that I've, 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 I've devoted my entire creator experience to the Kevin Kelly logic, which I totally agree with. I've got my thousand true fans. How long has it taken me to get those fans to become true fans enough that they want to pay me? Like that entire, if you think about it in marketing terms, as, as we always do, people like you and I, we that conversion period, that sales period is long. They listen to X amount of podcasts, a number of episodes, and then they've got to be, they've got to discover that they like you. And then they've got to really like you. And then they've got to be willing to give you something and then give you something regularly every single month. Like that sales process is tough. Does this go somewhere to solving that problem? Because it is such a, I don't want to say transient because I think that oversimplifies it and diminishes it a little bit, but it's very fleeting, the decision, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So, so what we currently have today is what I call the Chinese buffet model. So let's talk about Spotify or or subscriptions on Apple, right? Pay me in advance for something I've not consumed. And if I don't drop a new episode, still keep paying me because I want you to, because that's all that a subscription can do. Whereas with a value for value model, it's a per minute payment basis. So let's say you start listening to a podcast and you only listen to 20 minutes of an hour's show. That's all you pay, 20 minutes worth. Um, if you're listening to a book, exactly the same thing um, model applies for value for value. I've listened to two chapters. I don't know how many books I've got in Audible that I've got a third of the way through and never listened to all of it. Um, the same works with video. And most excitingly, this model is also now working for music as well. And, and that's one of the new things that's come out. So. You might only listen to 10 tracks instead of listening to 50 tracks, but why pay for the 500 tracks in advance that you never listen to? The problem with that is if anyone listens to Meatloaf, each song's going to cost them 45 quid. Oh, if anyone listens to Meatloaf, you just shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell that to the karaoke crew up at the local pub, because on Friday night they get wild up there, mate, for a little bit of meat. But no, I, I, I like that. I like that. And um, I, I'm interested in, in the way that technology thinkers like yourself will take what can be very abstract concepts like value for value, like, mm-hmm. you know, Bitcoin, like the Satoshi element of, of Bitcoin and, and, and do what all the good people really have been doing since, since day one, which is putting technology that doesn't feel scary in between us and that what appears to be the back-end technology. So tell us a bit about PodFans, because that's that's mm-hmm. exactly what this does. It's 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 a it's a well thought out product from good thinkers to simplify something that can be complex for the creator. So tell us all about it. Tell us what PodFans does. Um and really what was the you know what was what was the the idea behind it? Where did it come from? Sure. So um Complexity is fail, simplicity is one of my favourite sayings. Um, that's a guy called Edward de Bono came up with that. Um, when we started PodFans, 
there was no point in trying to replicate Apple and Spotify, right? Just a subscription-based model, it, it, we would fail. And when I started PodFans probably a year to 18 months ago, um, Bitcoin was just forming the Lightning Network, which is this fast real-time payment system was just forming. So these were new ideas. But the core part of it is I firmly believe that people's time and attention has value. And that value is I will only pay for what I consume and I'll only pay for the time I listen rather than pay it all in advance. So when we found that this micropayments existed and it was possible to do a per-minute payment system for digital content of any sort, that was the embryo for starting PodVans. So RSS, as we all know, is an open ecosystem. You can consume anyone's RSS unless they've blocked it or made it exclusive. And on that basis, we decided that we wouldn't have advertising as the monetization model for creators, but we would have this peer-to-peer direct payment system from fan to creator. So to, to build that, we had to fundamentally start with creating the database, then we had to create wallets and we had to create the mechanism for measuring in real time across everyone who's listening. Uh, so we do, we do a per second uh, analysis over the API and we make, and then we aggregate that bundle per minute and then we pay it and it works. It just works, right? We, we, we spent a, a year building this and it works and that's the cool thing. So now when you're a new user to PodFans, it, it's very simple. You, you join and in the onboarding process, you either have an existing wallet or you don't. If you do, we just verify against your wallet. Off you go. And the learning curve's great because you already understand what a payment system is, what micropayment and what a wallet is. So now you're just understanding how my platform works and you know the intricacies of my platform compared to other platforms. If you haven't got a wallet and that's, you know, again, we have to reach those people who don't understand this then we've got to educate you on the onboarding as to how do you get a wallet? And we do that. And then we put in 10,000 sats into your wallet as a part of the process. And we, we reward you and we're t- trying to teach you as well. We call learn and earn. So we're trying to say to you, look, you've got your wallet, you've joined. Here's some tokens, here's some sats in your wallet. Now give us your email address or, or pick your first five favorite podcasts or listen to your first show and we will reward you for completing tasks that add up to 10,000 sats. So when you get into the system and you click play, it works. You, you don't have to go, oh God, do I have to get a credit card out now? Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't know these people. We also, as I said, we reward time and attention so you can earn by being an active user. So let's say it was a fan of your podcast, Mark, I could be sharing it. I could be boosting it, which is a, a comment with a payment. I could be clipping in a piece and putting that out to my social network. Each one of those is a verb, boost, clip, share. And we've put a gamification engine inside of PodFans. So we know uh, there's 30 verbs. We know what exactly you do when you're in the platform and we can allocate points to that. So yes, you pay if you choose to listen to a podcast. You don't have to. But you also can earn by being an active fan of a podcast. And we think that two-way value-for-value model um, is what we've built, and that's PodFans. I like the element of rewarding the attention of a listener as well. I think that's really, really useful. Even even the gamification element of anything is always so powerful. And I, I, I do think that podcasting is yet to really capitalize on that. We, you know, we see words like engagement banded about so much, but no one really does anything with it. 
So I really like this idea that that you've embraced that. And a lot of people are going to start to say things like, okay, well, actually, I listen to most of my podcasts on the go. I listen to to most of my shows uh, when I'm when I'm doing something else, and it's usually on on a on a, a smart device, usually on a phone or whatever. So, how do you handle that? Have you are, are you available mobile? Can you can people listen using mobile and, and using Podfans? Yeah, the good news is we've created what's called a progressive web app PWA, and all that means it's browser based. It's not in the iOS store or the Google store. We don't pay Apple a thirty percent tax for any transaction, which is why we did it. And it means it works across iPad, um, laptop, and mobile in the same way. And we just size the screen down to based on the size of screen. So that's really cool. It, the one thing I, I was going to slightly change one thing. There was um, a report this week, Mark, just um, bear with me. Ashley Carmen from Bloomberg put out a report saying that podcasters are now beginning to fake their numbers in terms of downloads. And why are they doing that? Well, fake it until you make it is an expression that you hear many entrepreneurs being told to say. But the reason they're doing that is because they want to get that $25 CPM. Oh, how many, how many people download your book? Oh yeah, a couple of thousand people. Oh, right. Well, we'll sign you up. There you go. You can have some advertising. And then they find out it's a couple of hundred people. So that is something that is quite common, I'm afraid, in the, in, in the community. And also we all know if you use something like an Apple podcast, it auto downloads. That doesn't mean you auto listen. So you could have a back catalog of hundreds of podcasts you've never listened to, but that gets reported back as a download. And therefore the advertiser thinks, oh, I should be paying for that. The last part of that, Mark, is also we don't know how far along in a podcast the person's listened to. So let's say there's three adverts, the one at the beginning, middle and end. We all know the one at the end generally doesn't get listened to. We know the one in the middle probably gets skipped. If it doesn't get skipped, it will get listened to. But we can't 100% know for certain. Now, with pod fans, we know for certain because we know exactly how many minutes you've listened to, at what point you dropped off. So we've got three metrics that we've worked with a company in, in Canada who have a similar thinking called Bumper. And it's, it's time listened, percent completed, and value paid. And you, you, you bring those three metrics together and... You can roll that up to a creator so they know exactly how long each listener listened, but also in aggregate how where people dropped off in your episode. You also know how much value was paid for it. And those three, when you go back to an advertiser, if you still want to put advertising into your own podcast, you can. And then the advertiser is going to be confident that, yeah, actually, you know what, Mark? 80% of your listeners listen to that advert. Great. I'm going to continue paying it. So we, again, we've got this old download model. We've got this. Um, fake it until you make it and use a number model. And again, that's all changing as well. So uh, the way that we're doing micro payments, it'll be not just good for creators linking to their fans, but it also be good for advertisers trying to be a hundred percent certain that their adverts are even being listened to. It's such a challenge that, because I think this is responsible for a lot of the, 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 the downside of the boom that we saw. So where we are now, basically in the industry, you know, the renewals of big brands looking at partnerships and looking at even programmatic and so on, where they're doing big ad buys um, across various networks or different types of show. Um, you often find renewals are so much more challenging the, than the original sale because you're absolutely right. We can report on downloads, but that that was only sexy when podcasting was really, really new and it was the only metric. But now those same people are walking into the meetings and saying, actually, all right, downloads are fine, but what did we get? And you can't, you can't 
constantly just use brand positioning as the answer to that. And we know that's happening. We see that at the highest levels of podcasting. We see that at the highest levels of uh, ad sales. And we see it reported very, very often, um, which, as you said, leads to what we saw reported uh, today through Ashley. So, yeah, I, I, I get it. I think it's fascinating. Now, I think the thing that I would say is um, the indie producer, so the person that's really, really busy, the person that is, you know, getting the 50 or the 100 downloads, you know, good, loyal audience, but actually they've not got that much time. What's this going to do for them? Is, is this is this a, a challenge from a timing perspective? Do they need to put piles of time into working with something like PodFans or how, do, how does this accommodate those? Really simple. So we, we've ingested probably about 500,000 podcasts and we'll increase that over the next few months. Um, obviously all 4 million aren't what we want. We talked about Anchor earlier. So, um, but we'll, we'll get all the best podcasts we think they're out there. Um, if yours is one of those podcasts, uh, all you have to do is then claim it. And when you claim it, you get access to a back end dashboard for PodFans. Now, PodFans sets a default value for every podcast out there at 100 sats per minute. So an hour show is 6,000 sats. What's that in real money? About 50p, right? So it, it's it's not a big problem. So once you've got um, a value for every episode, you as the creator, once you've claimed your show, can go and change that value. You can say, oh, okay, I want my show to be 10 sats per minute or 1,000 sats per minute or zero. You can pick what you want. Now. In the value for value model, that will just change at the front end and the listener will go, oh, that's the new value that's set by the creator. But in the value for value model, I as the listener have that final say, I can still change that value as well. So um, as a creator, no, you don't need to do much. You go in, you check that the podcast that you're, that's yours is there, you claim it and verify it and it has to be verified and we'll, won't get into the details now, but it's, it's, it's pretty quick. And then once you've done that, you set your own values and then you market that out to your listeners that this is what we do. And your listeners then have choices, pay it or or not pay it, right? But there isn't much more you have to do. There's no, oh my God, do I need to know how to do uh, a tag in the middle at minute one with a DAI link here and something else? And do I need to rub my head and scratch my tummy to do this? No, it's fairly self-explanatory because you've got to, you get given a wallet when you join. So, you know, it's the same for creators as it is for listeners. You just need a wallet to be receiving your sats into. That's what I like about this concept is that, well, like we said earlier, you know, simplifying the complexity of all of these mechanisms and moving parts that are required to benefit from blockchain payments and so on and so forth. I think that is, that's the real strength behind the scenes of this is that I can, I can set it up and I know the word wallet. I know that works, but I don't generally have to worry about it. So I commend you on that, my friend. I think that's fantastic work. What's what's the timeline for PodFans then? So this is, we're, we're here, we're at 28th of September, 2023. What's the status of PodFans now? What does the next six months look like to wrap this up? So earlier this week, we took off the wrapper. It's now a beta product. It was an alpha. And so it's it's mobile, it's, it's desktop, it's in all those screens in between. Um, that's great. And yeah, please go and use it. We've also built a really, I mean, talking about paying sats, Mark, um, we've built a feedback model where if you give us a bug report, we pay you in sats for, as a thank you. So we give you some sats for reporting bugs. And if you give us a brand new uh, feature suggestion, we give you some sats as well for that. So again, there's ways of getting uh, earning it. But fundamentally, yeah, you can go in there, you can use it. Now, what 
we are doing is um, increasing the servers. We're building this, we talked about it very tangentially. We're building a new music element to it as well. So lots of independent music artists are now beginning to say, I don't really like putting my music on Apple and Spotify. I don't really make any money. But they're beginning to create RSS feeds for their music and uploading those to the index. And then we can download those and using a payment model value for value, they can get paid directly by their fans. And Ashley, uh, Ainsley Costello, sorry, um, an artist on, um, who's done this said on Twitter or X that, um, she made 20 odd dollars when she did it across 60 streaming platforms and she made $400 in one day doing the same thing using sats. Artists are beginning to understand and artists more than podcasters have a deeper connection to their fans. I mean, we all love to think our fans love us. But realistically, they, they are a little bit flirty. If we went away, they'd go away, right? They, they wouldn't chase us down and find us. But if a music artist goes, you're like, oh my God, I, I, that, I love you. Where have you gone, right? And, and their commitment to music is much higher. So the value for value model works really, really well with music. So we're adding a music element very shortly to it as well. Fascinating work. As someone that builds software, my friend, I know how difficult this is to pull off. And yeah, come on, commend you on the work, but also just the way that you're leading the thinking as well. So yeah, absolutely commendable work as always. And um, I think Thank everyone you. should just give the, give this a whirl. Even if I'm always a fan of trying things anyway. I think even if you don't stick with it, I'm not saying that would be the case with pod fans, but please, anyone listening, just go over there and try this and you can find that at podfans.fm so i I'd, I'd heartily recommend that you do that well sam it's always a pleasure i know you've uh, you've held an event this week with james which i'm sure was absolutely fantastic i was uh, i was out of the country for it so i'm sorry i couldn't be there but if it's anything like the manchester one i know it'd been a roaring success and yeah look forward to seeing you in person soon my friend indeed indeed and we're, we're going to a liverpool game together so that'll be even more fun that sounds good. Speaking of that, I appreciate that. I cannot wait for that. I'm looking forward to that. If you would like to send Sam and I some beer money for that, you can do that at mark.live slash support. It's like we planned that, Sam. It's like this <laughs> smooth segue into sending Moretti over to Sam and Mark, beer and Moretti, which is the way that we spend our Satoshis, everyone. That's what we spend it on. Hey, listen, it's always a pleasure, mate. Thank you again. And uh, you at any events? Have you got anything coming up event-wise that... that uh, any industry events outside of your own? No, no. I mean, I think we're coming to the end of those. So we did our own one. And I also went to the British Podcast Awards this week and gave out an award. Um, the next big event, Mark, for me, and, and maybe you might be there, is the one in the LA podcast movement. I will be there. I will be there. It'll be the first first time back on the West Coast since COVID because of the family and travel. So I'm, I'm excited for that. We actually booked the hotel. We booked the flights. We are there. So I'm excited for that. And... Brilliant. For you listening out there, if you are interested, go to podfans.fm. And if you've got any questions, just get in touch with us on the on the usual channels. The Twitter's all, I'm not going to call it X. The Twitter's the best way to do that. And yeah. I'm at Mr. Asquith. And Sam, you're over on Twitter at, as well, aren't you? Yeah, just at Sam Sethi or at Join Podfans. Just come and ping me and more than happy to give you an answer to whatever question you have. Amazing stuff. And for you listening, enjoy yourself. Thank you for tuning in. It's always a pleasure. Until the next time, keep on doing what you do. Keep sharing your voice, your thoughts with the world and look after yourself. Bye-bye for now.